This is the first time we have sat here since when? I think pre-child. it was September. It was pre pre baby. It was pre Oliver, um, who now can roll over on his own. Oh, he's a roller. That baby rolls. <laughs> he's rolling all over the place to his own detriment. He can't sleep because of it. Um, so we're here. We're like finding our sea legs. We're trying to figure out how to talk into a microphone again. It's sort of like... Frankly, it, how to talk to each other in the same room. I know. I know that too. for the past four months, all we've been doing is having business meetings over FaceTime where yeah. I talk to Eric and he sees my face uh-huh. and I only see the baby. Right. It, I was going for a boss baby effect. It worked. Yeah. It, it works. As though the baby is the colleague. Yeah. Um, <laughs> He's the one in charge, so it makes sense. <laughs> I mean, he's not not in charge. I'll, I'll tell you that. Um, wow, it's strange and good and wonderful to be back. And I just think about how just like it feels like <laughs> it feels like the world ended between when we were recording and now, you or, know, or like and it's like, continuously ending. Yes, exactly. Like, and it's like we're day. sort of coming back and it's like now we're like sifting through the ruins of our old life. We're using and, bottle caps as currency. We're, yeah, it's kind of what it yeah. feels like at the moment, um, which is another way of saying that it's really, really, man, it feels good to be sitting <laughs> here like this. Um, and I just can't. I mean, I always knew we were going to, like, at no point were we done recording Print Run. Yeah, you just needed to, like, have a baby. The question of when was up in the air, the question of how are we going to make it work, and it's like the other day we just, like, had this moment where we were like, we got to just record the show. We've got to just do It's time to just record the show. Wouldn't it be nice to have a really nice cheese plate? And we did have a very nice cheese plate, listener. Uh, Laura makes a mean cheese plate. (laughs) It's Cheese is an understatement. It had some sausage on there, some apples, some bread, some jam. It had, yeah, it had jam. It also had almonds. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, all of that is to say, and I'm going to try to get through this without being too emotional, but welcome. To this episode of Print Run, my name is Eric Hain. I am here, as always, with you, as always. I don't even remember the damn intro. You'll, you'll you, find it. With you, as always, uh, with me, as always, is Laura Zatz. Woo! Say hello, Laura. Hello, Laura. Wow. We're back, baby. Um, we're going to talk today about, one, we're going to talk about being back. We're going to talk about... Um, doing this again and how good it feels and how much it matters to us which and i think how, we've already started to do which we've already started <laughs> doing um and we're also going to talk about um kind of the overall mood in the industry in a specific way that we'll get into in a minute um but i don't know do we have a rundown we, like the rundown is that we exist the, <laughs> like we do have a little bit of a rundown um so If you follow us on Twitter, you will notice that this past week... um, We started tweeting again. That's one thing. Well, we started tweeting again, but in response to 
Greg Abbott being a horrible human being down in Texas, uh, we've been working on selling query critiques for um, in support of charities in Texas or yes. organizations that support uh, trans kids and their families. Um, y'all came through. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like yeah, 75 people, basically. It's 75. It's so hold many. On, hold on, hold on. <laughs> hold on. Laura, I said you got to put a cap on it before we get too much work. Okay, you telling so me we have to do 75 <laughs> query critiques. We officially closed it down after less than 24 hours, uh, but so many people were wonderful. And but the, but Okay, so here's the amazing thing about yeah, it. Okay. First of all, if you bought a thing from us, please be patient because, wow, there are a lot of you. And I love the enthusiasm, to be clear. Yes. I do not begrudge a single one of you. We just want to make sure that we're only doing, like, handful a day each so that we can like keep our brain in our ears oh so yeah Um, we'll get through them but the most important part is so many of you were kind enough to participate in sort of the secondary tier of this charity drive which is purchasing queries for people who cannot afford them so if you are a listener and you are thinking to yourself hey, I think it would be really valuable to have a written query critique from either Eric or Laura, uh, and I can't afford it. Uh, Well, good news for you. There are spots available. There are a lot of spots. Because more than half of the donations were for gifts for other writers. So we will give you the spots, no questions asked. You just email us. We're at printrunpodcast at gmail.com, and we will add you to the queue. Um. And, like, you know, shoot your shot. Like, if don't be embarrassed, don't be whatever. Like, we have so many to give away, and we're so happy to do it. And all of the people who donated those query spots are so happy for you to take it. Um, so please do. And we're also in just anytime, whether it's this or asking us about Patreon for free, like, we're a no questions asked policy. Yep. Like, we're not going to ask you why you need it for free. You just tell or us. Or how long. You, we exactly. don't care. Yeah. We do not just care. get in touch if that's you, and we'll hook you up, okay? Yeah. We we literally could not care less yep. about why you want our content for free, and we are happy to give it to you. Um, so speaking of Patreon content, for those of you who are still patrons <laughs> with us after this hiatus, thank and you thank so much. thank you for sticking with us. Deeply, deeply thank- oh thankful God. for you. Um, but one of the things we have been talking a lot over the past few months about how we want to kind of come back to Patreon with a bang, but also expand our offerings in really interesting ways. Um, and most of the ways we're going to be expanding those offerings are going to be outside of Patreon because one thing is any sort of paywalled posts, we can't grandfather people in who aren't getting their credit cards charged every month. So we're going to be adding things off of Patreon for our Patreon supporters that then other people will be able to participate in as well. So mm. like, for example, we're going to be doing office hours yes, where it's are. just like we're logging on to Zoom Anybody can show up, ask some questions, or just sit and listen to other people's questions. Um, so kind of like a or just talk print to me. run. I sort of just sit alone all day at this point. <laughs> like if you want to like keep me company for a minute, yeah, hang out. Great. Um, so we're gonna we want we want like a quicker, more direct way yeah. instead of like a Talunet may con- may concern or sort of you know short ask print runs on Twitter. We want to create a space where we're just like. You get to talk to us, and that's great. And it's not going to be—it's not going to be a big deal. 
Um, so we're going to be doing things like that. Uh, so we're really excited about it. So if you are in a financial position, now would be probably a really good time to join print run or join our print, yes. our Patreon. Um, if you can't email us because we can get you in anyway. Yep. Um, so, okay, that's it. That's, it's most about things that are coming in the future, but we're jazzed. So the thing we wanted to do when we came back, like, when we were like, okay, what's the first thing we talk about? Because obviously there has been, there's a million different things that happen nearly every week in publishing and in book news and obviously in the world as related to books. All Shout out to Britney Spears for getting a $15 million <laughs> book deal. I don't believe in like celebrity book deals except for her because she deserves it. Yeah. Um, anyway, there's like a million of those. <laughs> <laughs> I have no comment on that. Um, there's... You know, a million stories like that. And we can't, we're not going to do, like, sometimes, you know how we do, like, the quick, like, recap of, like, everything really fast. Uh, we're not going to do that. But the thing that I, at least for me, that I felt really drawn to doing when we came back was just, like, where are we at? Not just personally, though, obviously, that comes up on the show. But in terms of the, like, our relationship to the industry, how we're feeling about publishing, having been... We haven't been away from publishing, but we've been away from talking about it for a little while now. Mm -hmm. And I think the way in to basically checking in on a quote-unquote vibes level uh, with each other and with the industry as a whole is just to look at a very specific phenomenon, and that is editors leaving their jobs. <laughs> um, and we bring it up that way because it's something that any observer of the industry, particularly agents, right? Because our job is to talk to editors, like, will tell you is happening. Like, there's an, there's always, I think, especially in the, at the lower levels, there's an enormous amount of churn in the editorial ranks in publishing. Like, people are always moving jobs, but... And we're not talking, like, new, like assistants who work in the job for a year or two, decide it's not for them, and then leave the industry altogether. Like, I'm talking people who have been here for 10 yeah, years. That's what I'm... So that's that's the part that feels worth touching on now, which is, like, it is starting to feel as though... Everybody like, who we can... We, like... I, I say we, but, like, as an agent who are, who's, like, somebody who I've kind of come up in this industry yeah. with, people whose taste yeah. I know, people yes. whose taste I respect, they're leaving. They're leaving or they're moving. Oftentimes, they are just leaving. Yeah. And that is, it's happening enough that, and I just know from like personal conversations with editors, like many more are thinking about leaving. Like it's. Agents are leaving too, but we're well, focusing mostly on editors. Yes. The point is there is sort of a mood right now of maybe this isn't the place for people who are really like fired up about books or writing or you know this isn't necessarily the industry they want to be a part of or this is not the job situation that is sustainable for them long term and i just think it's worthwhile to spend a minute talking about what that means for the industry overall what it says about the industry overall what it says like how it affects different parts of the industry you know like mm -hmm. how does it affect writers how does it affect us how does it affect anything else and just like Almost giving a, you know, where do we go from here and what are we seeing? You yeah. Know? So there's a very interesting phenomenon that is happening. I mean, we're in the middle of, like, what are all the news outlets, all the business publications are terming 
the great resignation, like this big scary thing yes. where people realize people are realizing now that their labor is worth more. Um, in the middle <laughs> and good of the pandemic. For them, by the way. And good for them. Yeah. And so they're but in publishing, and we've talked about this for years, but there is this um there is this particular mindset that is used to to bring people into publishing. And it's not an incorrect mindset, which is you are like your job matters. You're doing something that matters. It's noble work. It's, it's intellectual it's work. Noble yeah. work. That yeah, there there's there's nothing better. Um, the thing is, is that's always been the rhetoric, and so at least you know for much longer than you and I have been in this mm-hmm. industry, longer than you and I have been alive, mm-hmm. that rhetoric has been used to exploit the workers. Yes. Right? Yes. But the idea is it's okay to be exploited. Because and you to, love it. Because you love it. Yeah. And so I want to start by saying, like, I want to make it very clear that I respect the hell out of anybody who leaves this industry for any reason. Like, it is... A, there's there's been this like trend of these long beautiful threads on Twitter of people who are leaving and they're explaining why and they're saying you know I thought I could hold on long enough but it's not you know tenable for me for very for a lot of reasons this is no longer giving me what I want it to do and um good, like good for all of these people for making yeah. choices that are yeah. going to be positively affecting their lives Absolutely. In, in any sort of way. Absolutely. Like there is no shame in leaving this industry. Um, but there's there, like the impulse to do that sort of statement is so interesting because it's like you have to, you have to justify yeah, that's interesting. giving up on the dream, giving up on what you signed up for, which is exploitation in exchange for meaning the just so you touched something really fascinating there like the justification is really interesting because take away take away the bells and whistles for a second or the the decorations Mm -hmm. like the part where you're a book editor and you have all this like clout in your own brain and you're someone who's doing this sort of high prestige whatever that means job (laughs) like People are leaving. Basically, what's happening here is people are leaving jobs where they are overworked and underpaid and not treated very well. Yep. Which is something. If it were a different, less romanticized industry, we no would big say, deal. Oh, that makes total sense. That's fine. And so I wonder if a version like we could almost call this discussion. What happens when people stop loving it? Yeah. You know, because like if that's the glue, if the glue for everyone in this industry, like agreeing to this, this like covenant that yeah we're gonna kind of get the shaft a little bit from a labor standpoint but it's books man (laughs) like when people when that equation no longer works what happens and like what what does that mean and i think the implications are they're being felt already i mean i feel them in my job right now i mean and i also think (laughs) like this is a little bit of a personal topic for me, I mean, because apart from even just being an agent who's trying to talk to editors, but like you at one point in my life, I you was an editing. Yeah, I was an editor who just hit my limit. I just I was burnt out. I was tired of being mistreated at my workplace. I didn't want to do it. I didn't have a new glitzy thing lined up, but I said, no, I can't do this anymore. This is horrible. And I left the job and I felt 
like you know the in- and you were not intending to come an agent like no, that I, was something i, I accidentally did, bullied you into I, <laughs> I wasn't <laughs> intending to become anything i was intending to not feel like crap all the time yeah i was like for the time being it was like all right i just gotta not do this for like two months just give me two months to like get my head back on my shoulders you know right like it was really bad and i imagine that's how a lot of these people are feeling as they're sort of running into these walls of attrition and like all this stuff and the justification, like the justification element, like you're talking about, like people doing long threads about, you know, these love letters to like their idea of what books could have been for them, you know. And why it's and, not anymore. And why it's not anymore. Like I I definitely felt a version of that. And I definitely felt as though I was some sort of grand personal failure leaving that job because it's the meaning, you know what I mean? Like you were like, oh, all my life, all throughout college, right? Like you're sitting up working on your paper because you just want to, you know, you want to be a book editor. You want to do this stuff. And it's like you finally get that job. And then guess what? That job sucks. And probably it's really hard to get to the point where you say it's the job that sucks and not me mm-hmm. because the job has been romanticized to yourself yeah. in your own head forever. And so to get to a point where suddenly you're saying, like, well, maybe the job isn't that good, like, and maybe I need to move on. Like, well, that's really difficult, and it involves a lot of, like, I don't know. It's so, tough. So here's so here's something that I've been seeing a little bit more, or maybe it's being talked about a little bit more. Maybe it's just because the leaving is so much more prominent right now mm-hmm. because, like, there nobody's in the office to like have a goodbye party that's just like in interior like how we're communicating with your colleagues now it's like it's on twitter you know um but there's there's a sort of element of like if you're still in the industry you're in some ways like if you're still participating in that exploitation in some ways you are complicit in a system that has caused somebody else's burnout and to leave. And if you are the one leaving, you also have to get to a point where you have to understand that your colleagues around you who are able to, you know, read all weekend and keep up on their submissions and do all of this ridiculous stuff. Like you get to a point where you realize that their bandwidth and their sacrifice is you know, it's 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 not just something that they're doing. It's being used as a tool against you to make you yeah. fall in line and to do the work that you're doing. And so, like, in some ways, I see a lot of these statements that are coming out that are in a lot of ways kind of a mea culpa where it's like, I <laughs> I give up like I can't do it. And I think a big part of that also is because we're working in this system or because editors particularly are working in this system where if a senior editor leaves there's a really 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 high chance that there is not going to be a senior editor that is going to be hired to fill that spot it is going to be an editor or an assistant editor they're going to move somebody and so we're losing um we're losing knowledge we're losing advanced knowledge and we're losing experience. Well, what have we talked about every time that there is like a shuffling of imprints or a consolidation or a shutting down and removing of talent? Like my point 
every single time to the point I'm sure ad nauseum, but not anymore because we haven't recorded in five months, so I get to say all my <laughs> old stuff again and it's new. Um, but um, there's no replacing institutional knowledge. No. Right? Like someone, in a, having worked in a publisher, you know, for many years and doing these things, like the person in-house who knows what's been going on for 10 years and can name all the books and like when it's time to come up with something can think, oh, this is what we did on this thing five years ago or this is how we handled situation X or this is... How to ki- not make this person throw a fit. Yes. That that dis- that really is the glue of a publisher. Mm-hmm. Truly. Like that is how you keep things running is like having people who have seen it before because we talk all the time about publishing being... Like if publishing is an apprenticeship job, right? Yeah. You learn by doing then how valuable are the people who have done it? You know what I mean? Like the people who actually have seen it and been through it and done it for a long time and understand the ins and outs of a given house. Like as soon as that starts to get disrupted. And once those people like, go away, yes. there's also you, you, it's not an apprenticeship industry anymore. It's just a bunch of it's people who don't know what they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> and that is how I would describe a bunch of publishers uh, lately. They don't but, know what they're doing. Um, but yeah, no, it's, oh uh, man, it, it's tough. And like, there's so many different, the way you phrased it in our like pre-recording meeting, I think was really good. Like you re- said, I want to trace the ripples of this. Yeah. Right. And that involves what does it mean for agents? What does it mean for writers? What does it mean to incoming talent? And it, it affects all those people. Like if people in these editorial jobs and I do, I will always think, I mean, I obviously have a tremendous amount of respect for um, publicists, marketers, you know, production people, cover designers, all these people in the industry. But like the heart of the book world to me, and maybe I'll catch flack for this is like that the acquisition, the acquisition editor, like the people buying the books, editing the books saying, here's what we're working on. Right. There is a certain amount of like spine to the whole operation that happens right there. Well, they're doing three jobs. Yes. I mean, like functionally, like one of the biggest problems that, that is causing what we're talking about is like how many jobs they're doing is how many jobs they're doing. Because I mean, yes, wages are a problem. Um, you know, hostile workplaces and like illegal amounts of work. Uh, but, but also very importantly, like they're doing three jobs. They're doing like, like production scheduling, like a production editor job. They're doing an editorial job and they're doing an acquiring job and an acquiring job shapes the shape of the imprint. The editorial gets the books into shape, mm-hmm. and the production makes sure that it all happens on time. And yep. those are three different jobs. They really are. And many and of these people don't have assistants to help them with, so they're spending all of their time. And it's just like, it's not their fault. Yeah. It's 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 not their fault. Like you can only push so hard when you're doing three different jobs, especially you know if the person above you who has institutional knowledge leaves and that's then- the part i really want to underscore here is like when we talk about how there's this like plight of editors leaving we are not blaming the editors no. you know what i mean like it's these are bad situations like these are situations where someone who probably was willing to take a little bit of a raw deal Mm-hmm. got an even more raw deal than they signed up for. Well, your you promise, know? I and, mean, that's the basis of yeah. the apprenticeship industry, yeah. right? You start by taking a raw deal. Yeah. And if you're good enough and you put in long enough hours yeah. and you you learn enough from the people who are telling you what to do, then eventually you'll grow out of that. 
but you don't grow out of it anymore. You just like keep getting promoted, but you don't get more money. You don't get less work. You don't get an assistant. Right. Like you don't get any right. of that. Um, well, so, so me- yeah, let's follow the ripples. Yeah. For a few minutes. Right. Okay, let's let's start interior and move outward. So we've Please. already touched a little bit on how um, these big corporations in particular are not hiring like senior editors to replace senior editors. They're adding more to the bottom tiers because, spoiler alert, like you can exploit them more. Because yeah. uh, a lot of them don't know and they don't have an, the experience to, to say, no, no, I'm more important than right. that. Right. Um, <laughs> when an editor leaves, which is, again, not their fault, like we should have a system that's much easier for like parceling out work when somebody leaves. A book that's on their existing list gets sent to another editor. This can be a really good thing or it can be a really bad thing. Yeah. Sometimes you just land with somebody and you click. Who's you? The writer. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So let, let's focus on who we're fo- let's yeah. let's identify who we're focusing on here. Yeah. So the writer who's been signed with the house, like you're the author, you're the someone who has a relationship with your publisher. Your editor leaves. That's an what edi- we're talking about. A different about. editor right. inherits your right. book. If it's if your book has already been edited, then it's a lot of like management stuff because again, they're doing three people's jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, if your book is needing editorial work. It's kind of a crapshoot because there's a really good chance that the person who's inheriting your work has an entire job's worth of work already. Yeah, and they're just <laughs> having to, they're now being asked to pick up this other absent right. person's work. Like, yeah. To be clear, nobody is being hired to take on the work that's been missing. <laughs> like that that is like problem number one. Right? Oh, this is the stupidest industry ever. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of these people are doing the best that they can. Um and in a lot of ways, like this turnover happens on a slightly smaller scale when it comes to like marketing or salespeople or publicity people. But usually with that, you get like a team, right? Um, with an editor, like it's a it's a funnel, right? They're your they're your go to. They're the person. person. Yep. I can't tell you. I was actually talking with a senior editor earlier this week. We were just having a little chit chat and we were talking about like how much I would love to be able to like email somebody else about like can you send Garbage. this copy yeah. right. of this book to somebody like that is not a thing that an editor should be dealing with how like, often so here's a question for you laura yes how much lately in your job have you just felt like a nag oh because <laughs> i feel like a nag constantly because of what you just described which yeah. is like i have to do all this talking to publishers yeah about inane little details like can we please fix this can we please do that can we please do this that it shouldn't be all of those queries shouldn't be going to the same person you know and yet like like, there's nothing that we can do yeah um and i mean and to be clear like it's our job yeah but there's there's a way that i think some agents are approaching it which is i am so sorry take your time no rush, like, thank you so much. I appreciate you. You're great. And then there are other ones where just like, well, I'm handling all of this. Why can't you handle it? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and guess which type we strive to be. Um, <laughs> so going back to the going back to the ripples, though. Yeah. So you have added stressors on the people in the imprint. You have added stress through nobody's fault, right, uh, for the authors that are already signed. 
any books that might have been in like the submission queue or something like that done done yeah like that's a that's a black hole no like i wish i could say that there was like oh the next person will just start immediately going through that pile no those submissions die that's done like it's i mean we can resubmit to somebody else at the imprint but like we don't just like pick a name randomly at an imprint we we like spend a huge portion of our jobs we're gonna get to the agent part of this in a minute like um so all of that is happening and like best case scenario somebody gets hired right away to take on some extra work but because they're usually in a lower position they're not coming in with you know in like a senior sort of position um there's training that also has to happen because again apprenticeship industry, i was gonna say they have a new job like yeah. they're someone who has to get trained to do their new job like it's not their fault that they don't know what they're doing yet like it's that they've occupied a new role that they probably may i mean probably they're ready for it on like a conceptual level but they haven't done it yet and they there is a period of acclimation and their colleagues have to train them yes like even though they're already doing you know one and a half person's work etc yes um so we can see that like (laughs) <laughs> the hallmark of a good company is not reliant on an individual person, right? Like there there should be no reason that when one person leaves, all the threads unravel. And yet. And, the, yeah. and But also there should be no reason that, you know, people who have been in this industry for 10 years are leaving because they're burnt out and overworked and exploited. So anyway, publishers, you should figure that out. Um, well, let's talk about the agents. Well, real quick, la- my yeah. last thought on the writers, right? Like, it's look when you're making your decision on where you want to sign. Like, let's say you're at that point and you're the writer, and your agent says, you know, we've got X, Y, and Z options, or even just X, Y options, or most of the time, one here, option. Here's option X. Are you interested? You're making that call. I mean, one, you're making it based on the financials, right? You're making it based on, like, oh, that advance sounds fine to me. Yes, whatever. But also, you're making it because you believe in the editor, right? Like, you're saying... You're picking another partner. You're picking a publishing partner. partner. You're saying, oh, I think this person could do a great job of helping me make this book what I want it to be. Mm -hmm. You don't just sub that out and have it be the same. Like, it's just not how that works. And so... To feel, I don't know. I mean, I just think that that's a really, I mean, it just goes back to my central point broadly. It's like there's a whole lot in publishing that is so irreplaceable that we are asking again and again and again to be replaced. And it's just, it doesn't work. Yeah. It's not working. And and there's a lot of leeway that could be bought if, again, an editor's job were, were split into three yeah. different yes. people. Like if there was the one person whose only job it is to edit the books, there's a really high chance. Like you still have a team, right? Like yeah. theoretically you would still have your acquisition editor who sees the vision and understands it. And you would still have the production person who's like keeping everything on track. Yeah. And if you lose the the person who's going to be editing your book, like at least you still have input from the person who acquired it. And like that team is so valuable and but most of the time right now the team is one person the, well the team is the agent yeah. and the editor yeah. and you know we're as agents like we're 
the advocates were the ones who can, you know, be the nag and, and, mm-hmm. and, you know, really like help you fight for what you want while still, while you can still maintain a positive relationship yes. Yes. with your editor. Um, but that pressure is so lessened when you have a team. Yeah. Um, and there are a couple of imprints that are doing this. That where they have, you know, the acquiring people are different than so like I'm thinking particularly of like Karina Press, which is an imprint of Harlequin. It's digital first, but they have Mm -hmm. a new like sub imprint that is selling into bookstores first. And it's kind of working like a traditional imprint. And they have a very small core of like people who work full time for the imprint and they acquire the books and they have the vision and they work on the schedules. And so they're really only doing two jobs. Yeah. But for the most part, most of the books that they acquire, they are not editing. And so, like, it's a part of the acquisitions process. It's a part of the conversations where it's, you know, like, if the editor is that they've assigned is not quite right, like, you have somebody who still understands the vision of the book and can help with that and can step in and, like, there are no words for how valuable that is yeah. for a writer. Yeah. And I've actually had conversations with my writers who are publishing with that imprint yep. about like, well, if we get options, you know, if we get offers from other places, a lot of the time they don't, even if like the money is really significant, they don't want to move Yeah. because they have a team. Well, because coherence and continuity Turns out it's valuable. Are extremely valuable in anything. (laughs) Like, think about any other realm of life. Like, I mean, for me, immediately, I think think of, like, sports. Or it's, like, you know, any team that has, like, a really solid leadership structure. Like, players that have been around with each other for a while. Like, that works better. Like, and that's how it is in publishing, too. Like, having a group of people that, like, understands each other and is able to connect with each other on more than just, like, hey, I'm suddenly introducing myself over email. You know, let's do this thing as though Trust I were this. Trust me with yeah, the intellectual like, property it doesn't work. that you've spent it 10 work. years writing. Well, so, I mean, and to be clear, sometimes it works and it's not any individual's fault. Like, no. I also, like, I really don't envy, especially someone who has been the person before who's been, like, thrust into the role of, hey, this person just left. Start doing their whole job. <laughs> Like you have to send some emails that make you sound like an idiot. It's like, hey, I'll I'll edit your book. You had this really nice relationship with this other editor who, you know, you like bonded with and got drinks with like five or six times. And eventually you like came up with this idea together and it was really awesome. And you were like really looking forward to publishing this. Well, how about you don't do any of that? And instead, you just send it to me, who, who you've never met. And, and I don't I, know anything yeah. about what you're writing <laughs> like, about. <laughs> like, that sucks. That sucks. And it sucks to be the person on the other end of it. And it sucks to be the person having to send that email, all that kind of stuff. And, like, I'm ready. I'm, like, fired up. I'm ready to move to the agent part. Yeah. If you are. And yes. so, like, let me clue in on something, like, just as, like, a window into how I do my job and how I sign clients. Which I think is genius, by the way. Everybody should have an Eric Kane. <laughs> like, I'm just I, very thankful for like, you, Eric. I, when I'm on the call with an author, or prospect, or who is an author, but a prospective client, right? And I'm like trying to maybe I've like reached out to them first, especially like I'm trying to commission something. You do this a lot or, in the nonfiction right, space, or I'm trying to maybe it is a query and it's someone I'm really interested in working with. There's one thing that I can say that 
is, I think, the most powerful thing. And it should be, if it isn't the most powerful thing, it should be the most powerful thing. It's when I can say with confidence, and I never say it if it's not true. I mean, we don't lie, you know what I mean? And if you feel like your agent is lying to you, then get a different agent. But when I can say this truthfully, I feel like I'm going to win whatever the little beauty contest is. And that is, I know who to send this to. Yeah. I know which editors want to look at this. I, I have had the conversations. Like, I have spent the time getting the coffees, getting the drinks, doing the phone calls, doing the Zooms with the editors who I know on a personal level are going to be interested in this sort of book. To the point that, where you can get them interested enough because they trust you. Yes. But you also yes. know their taste enough where you can say, hey, do you want to look at this? in an earlier place than when I yes. would normally send it to somebody that is, and get your feedback on that it. is the ace up my and I assume a whole lot of any agent who's really good at what they're doing in their category like that is the best move you have is to be able to actually have human conversations with people you have a rapport with on the editorial side and sell books that way and that's what I do and it's what a whole lot of other very good agents do and when this happens when editors are suddenly leaving all the time mm -hmm. and when people are shuffling around and when suddenly you're getting form messages that say, oh, this person doesn't work here anymore, it it erodes that. I mean, it takes that away. And what it means is like I can name – it just – you can see how you're my industry, agenting specifically, mm -hmm. like our field, I guess, not an industry, but our specific practice within this industry – it's one of relationships. Yeah. It is a relationships job. And churn, in the way we're describing, is very bad for a relationships job, right? Like, it means that we don't have the same... Like, if I know five editors really well at a given imprint and three of them leave, the math simply says, I don't know that imprint as well as I used to. Like, that is simply <laughs> how it is. You know what I mean? Like, that's just how it is. And so... It's just it makes it difficult and it means that that legwork like basically any minute I'm not editing or maybe I'm like not supposed to like give away the sauce like this. <laughs> like, But basically any minute I'm not like editing or pitching or whatever at my job. I'm just email like I'm emailing and I'm calling editorial colleagues to chat and to do work on that relationship to pitch things over the phone to hear about what they're interested in like. This is the glue. This yeah. is the core of our job. And it's what it's hopefully to my mind why someone would hire me, right? Like the reason you want an agent is because I know how to manage the submission process better than you do. Yeah. But, and but like, it's not just okay, it's not just submissions though, because if you know these people individually and you know their tastes and you know how they work. It's not just valuable to sell a book. It's valuable when things go wrong. Yes, they Once your book yeah. is placed with them. Yeah. It's it's valuable when an editor or an imprint wants to do some sort of commissioning work or yes. like IP and they come to you because they know how you work. Like it it is not just selling the book, like selling selling the book. It's it's really important to know people's taste to sell the book. But selling the book is such a small part of yes. our job. Like really, yes. it's more of. Like, do they trust you to be respectful and to work in everybody's best interest yes. and get the project done with the least amount of bullshit? Yeah. Right. No, I mean, I, I think that's totally right. And so in a 
field where so much of this is communication based. I mean, like just to like take a step back, like we've looked at how this affects us in relation to editors, how it affects authors in relation to editors, how it affects like colleagues in house in relation to the editors. Like it just erodes. It's not basically like we have a situation where people are identifying that their jobs are not very good situations Mm -hmm. and they're correct to do that. And the, the residual effect of them leaving is going to make everyone else's job a little bit worse, too. Yeah. And that's I mean, not their fault. I'm not trying to, like, pin that. But I'm just saying, like, <laughs> it makes everyone's job harder in a no way. Through no fault of their through own. Through no fault of any of the individuals we're describing. But, like, it does mean that person X in this equation is going to have a slightly harder time on Monday morning. And I want to touch for a moment on sort of the, the non-social side of agenting and how that is affected when somebody leaves because i mean it is possible to sell a book without knowing somebody intimately right um but so what happens you know when all that aforementioned turning and that shuffling happens at an imprint you first of all you have fewer people and the person that might be brought on to replace that labor if there's a person that's brought on to replace that labor um is Good chance, probably not going to be in position to acquire really aggressively right away. So that's fewer people you can submit to. The people you were going to submit to anyway are now doing that other person who left work. Mm -hmm. Um, Not to mention like the submissions that you have that died with them. So what we're looking at is we're looking at longer wait times, harder, um, like it's just harder to break into an imprint, even if they are going to be publishing as many books as they had before that person left. And like, it is a real consideration, at least it should be to your agent about the quality of the partner that an author has. So like Mm -hmm. if it's an imprint that's too overburdened, I don't feel comfortable placing an author there, even if they're a prestigious imprint, um, even if they've historically been good. Yeah. But that, it, it changes the math a lot and it changes the metrics. Um, and again, that is not something that can be fixed by individual. It cannot be fixed by gumption. It can't be fixed by somebody agreeing to be exploited just a little bit more for a little bit more meaning. Yeah. It is entirely a, a top down decision. Um, so all of this is a bummer, <laughs> right? Yeah. All of this is a bummer. There's, yes, it is. you know, again, to reiterate, it's a good thing that people are leaving when they have to leave. Like it is an incredibly brave and good decision when people say, I can't hack this anymore. Okay. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> obviously a lot of negative stuff happens in that wake. So the question I want to turn to is like, what do we do about it? Like, is there, is there hope in this, in this, you know, publishing after the great resignation? Like what, what does it look like? What's going to happen? What do we do as people still complicit in this system? Because some days I think I could do this job forever. Some days I think that it's only a matter of time until I do the same thing as the people who are doing it today or yesterday or the day before. Yeah. You know, I gave a talk yesterday, I think it was. I think it was was yesterday. It was yesterday, yeah. Um, And it meant a lot to me. It was at my old college. Um, One of my old professors asked me to speak to an English class about the publishing industry and my career and these things. And 
Um, I got there and I gave, I was with them for about an hour 45 and I spoke a little bit about my bio and like how I worked my way through the industry to be where I am right now. Um, and then the questions started, right. And obviously like publishing, and this was a point I made throughout my talk, which was that publishing isn't a job where you like read a textbook and get good at it. Right. Like it's like. Which is to say everyone had a million questions because there's no other way to know things. Like there's no like <laughs> preparation beyond talking and learning from people who are already in it. You can get like, a master's in publishing, but like you don't need it. Yeah. And it's no. a little silly. Well, so like. Sorry to people who have master's <laughs> in publishing. Well, like so all of which is to say I got a bunch of really good questions or really like broad questions from these like college kids. Um, young adults, it's probably rude to call them kids. They're, you know, 20 years old you know, these are adults. And, um, I was really kind of heartened by what they were asking and they, it felt like the conversation had shifted in a way that was much different than when I was in that age thinking about publishing. Like I got asked grilled to be honest in a way that was really good by people tell, asking me about representation in the industry like in terms of identity stuff they were asking me about um well hey i hear that you know people who work in publishing sometimes have to work a second job what's that about <laughs> like good 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 questions about hey what about this on a labor level mm-hmm. like in a way that at least, I mean, I could say, like, on a personal level, it wasn't things I was thinking about at that age. But it Nor all, I. But it all, I will say, like, broadly, too, I was in, you know, like, some, a lot of entry-level publishing groups, and none of them were talking about it really either. You know what I mean? Like, it was one of those things where it really felt like this. This these students had started thinking about their prospects within an industry um, in a way that was far more aware of what they might be getting into which was cool and it forced me into some very honest and hopefully useful answers to people about like yeah it sucks and you're gonna have a lot of roommates in brooklyn you know what i mean (laughs) and like these sorts of things and um and it just on the one hand though it also gave me a ton of hope because these were people who were i like to think how i would be right now like they were fired up to do it. They didn't yeah. want to hear these answers so that they could say, I don't want to work in publishing. They wanted these answers so they could figure out how to navigate it because at the end of the day, what these people loved was doing this. Yeah. They wanted to do things in writing and publishing. They wanted to work on the sort of books that fired them up. You know what I mean? And like, it was just such a, you know, I mean, there's always something I think poignant about going somewhere and talking to people who you know are sitting in a chair you once sat in, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, this was, well, I guess like saying aloud that I had been out of college for 10 years was like <laughs> a little, it was a little bit harrowing. <laughs> um, but no, it was, it was really, I found it really energizing and like I found it energizing because like the incoming wave of talent, Mm-hmm. It's still there because people will always care about books and people will always care. And about, books still matter. Like no, books yeah. are still like doing this, incredible things for th- people. That's the thing of it, right? It's like this stuff. 
publishing does matter. Like we, you and I have sort of built the show around critiquing this industry, but like the reason we're here in the first place is because, and the reason we come back after five months of being away from recording on the other side of having an infant and dealing with a pandemic and all these different things, like these things matter to us, to everything. Like I, like I give a shit, you know what I mean? Like, that's what I say to myself every morning, to be honest. I say, get up and say, why do any of this? It's because I give a shit, you know? And I do. And these people, these young people at this school do, and people are going to, because it's innate, like wanting to publish things that matter to you and whatever publishing means. And publishing is something that that definition is always going to shift and change and what it means to do all that. But like getting the writing out there that you feel passionate about, that's always going to matter to folks. And what that means is like, there's always going to be people willing to jump into the fire, Mm -hmm. you know? And that also means that there is a responsibility on the people who are already in it to organize for a better situation and the people who run these companies to really start taking into account who it actually is working there and the realities they're living in. And I don't know, like it's like a mixture of like hope, hope and urgency and worry, like seeing these people leave, like so many editors who I had such a great rapport with are like moving on to other things or it's, it's tough. It's tough. It's a tough time, but it's also, I think, a necessary time yeah. because this stuff has been happening. And so we can either look it in the face by way of it being intense or we can continue to ignore it. And it seems like ignoring it is no longer an option. And hopefully this means that in some way things get different, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean... On some level, it's easy for, like, you and me as agents to sit here and and say, you know, like, really the answer to all of this is fixing the labor exploitation. And it's, you know, the book sales are up, like, record profits are up, and it's, you know, stopping. That is, you just said something that I think is absolutely worth emphasizing. Record profits. It's going great. It's going great. Publishing is going well right now. But what's going to happen, because capitalism is... There's going to be that exploitation until there is a breaking point. And it's I just really not do... going great for you. That's <laughs> that's the thing that I want to like drill into people. Like, I truly yeah. believe, though, Eric, that like we are getting close to a breaking point. Like as a nation, we have a cat on Twitter that's organizing people in their workplaces. <laughs> like Dude, you know, I that. You have to show that to me. There are you don't know about Jorts? No. Oh my God. I must have missed it. Yeah. Don't worry, everybody. I'm going to talk to Eric about George. (laughs) This is a big deal. God damn it. Um, (laughs) Don't worry. I got this. Uh, But you know, like it's it's from a from a labor perspective. Like we know the answers, right? Like we know that the answer is unions. We know that the answer is you know making sure that there's no monopolies, which hmm, we're trying. Uh, But that's probably not going to work. But I think like from in individual perspective, I think the things that we can do every day to sort of change the mindset, but also just support the people around you who are, you know, be- being exploited and having a rough time, just like you, yep. has to do with 
being like a compassionate human being. You know what I mean? Like if somebody leaves this industry, like, yeah, it's going to make it harder for everybody, but it's not because of the person that's leaving. Like we can instead look at somebody leaving and say, okay, here are the ways that I'm not going to contribute to that burnout for somebody else. And maybe as an agent, it means not checking in about manuscripts as often. Maybe it means, you know, if you have the bandwidth taking on some nonsense that somebody else is doing, maybe it just is being really honest about money or about struggles or, um, you know, just like there are things that are in our power to do. And some of them are institutional. Some of them will bring really big material change. But a lot of it just involves supporting the people around us that we're trying to work with, that we are working with, that are in similar positions that we know are being exploited for the same reasons that we're being exploited. And Mm -hmm. refusing to be competition or an excuse for somebody else to keep and keep themselves in a bad position. Yeah. Like I am, you know, I go through this process every time, you know, when I see somebody leave and I go, Oh, I'm so sad about that. Like I, you know, I wish, I wish that they could stay. I, you know, or, or if you're feeling particularly sensitive, you, your immediate response might be, well, I wouldn't have left or I could have handled it. And it's very individualistic it's, and that's not going to get us anywhere. Right. And instead, we can look at it like we're we're caring human beings and that these are individuals and these individuals needed something and they weren't getting it. And we can do a lot like just being a good person and not being shitty (laughs) can go a really long way to keeping somebody in a little bit further so that the change that they're making lasts a little bit longer. Um, and you know, it sounds really like kumbaya, like we can all get along, but like truly like all we have here until the systems reach a breaking point. Yeah. All we have is each other. And that's kind of the basis behind unions yeah that's just the basis behind the jobs that you and i do eric Mm -hmm. like that is something that i think we can all really use in a way to support this this really difficult time like i don't want to see another i'm so sorry i couldn't hack it in publishing tweet thing because like like it's not it's not your fault like it is literally like if you made it 10 years you have made it Far longer than most people. If you make will. it one year, if you make if you if you do it long, at all, if you've ever, anytime you make a decision that you know in your heart puts you in a better situation emotionally or you know workplace wise, like whatever, or financially, like that is a good decision. Like you should do that, and it's so. Like again, I just want to reiterate: like none of this is about individual choices as much as it is about. A, an environment that is forcing people into these choices. And I don't know. I we mean, can, we can refuse, like a lot of us are not in a position to refuse to be material, materially exploited beyond, you know, like if you, if you work in a company that has a union or is forming a union, or you want to take on the added effort and risk of forming a union. Great. But all of us are, you know, like, we 
we're, we all know that we're being exploited in various ways, right? We can do it. <laughs> we can like be in that position together rather than being pit against one another in our yeah. brains or yeah. for our bosses or whatever that yeah. looks like. Like there, there are ways to do this that involves compassion and solidarity. Um, and like, I know I am constantly sort of interrogating what that looks like and, and, you know, what other people's jobs, um, like how I can do that for people in different positions yeah. and just practice, right? Like, yeah. be, just be good to one another on a level that might encourage broader solidarity, you know? Yeah. And the benefit of that is we get better books and we get more books and we get books that matter more. Yep. And that's really nice. <laughs> in conclusion, books are a land of contrasts. But um, books are nice. <laughs> no, I mean, I think, man, it's good to be back. I just feel really good sitting in this chair again. I feel really good, you know, getting back into it. Like, it's been a long few months filled with, obviously, all sorts of joyful things, hard things, you know. Um, this coming month. We're going to be podcasting from my house, which for is the first time ever, which is probably going to involve like lots of cuts because baby there's on be the pod baby stuff. Yeah, no, we'll let I feel like we'll just leave those in like it's just real. Do you want Oli on the pod? Yeah, we'll just let Oli be on the pod. OK, he if you can absolutely just... cannot handle Oli on the pod, let us know. But no, you can handle Oli on the pod. He's got a lot of things to say to you. Yeah, he has a lot of feelings. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's going to be good. I mean, we're in a new era of print run. We're in a new We've I, got a dad now, not just my dad jokes. Yeah, no, I feel as though, um, you know, my perspective has just matured so much since I've become a father. <laughs> uh, but anyway, we're gonna be, anyway we're <laughs> we're gonna leave it at that. Uh, yes. Be compassionate. Be good to each other. Um, we're going, we're, we're still dealing with like baby childcare. So I'm not going to promise like, we're going to be back every week or we're going to be back every other week. We're going to record, we're going to do the thing as much as we can, because this pod makes us happy. Some of you really appreciate it, which love you guys. Love you guys. Um, (laughs) and I'm excited to really just kind of dig into this new, world of publishing and season three of the pandemic and like there are cookbooks in the bottom of the ocean now like there's a whole bunch of stuff god i can't believe that we, we can talk that. about that um, that was one of those th- stories where i was like damn i wish we were recording <laughs> those cookbooks in the bottom of the ocean we'll we'll get there yeah we'll get there uh <laughs> do you know what would be really fun is if we when they reprint those books mm-hmm. and get them back if we got those books and like cooked from them and then like did a thing if they fell into the ocean again that would be really fun. Wait, yeah, that would be. Anyway, anyway, okay, we're gonna leave it here. Um, you can tell we're just so excited to like be in the same room as one another. Oh uh, man! Uh, thank you for letting us be in your ears. In I guess the not the same room. We have lost our polish. This ending is just a it's rambling. Real mess bad. Okay, we're gonna we don't end have it now. A podcast anymore. Thank you all totally so much. Totally unprofessional. Goodbye. Thank you.